Why do you get lost in the people-pleasing, the overachieving, the superhuman image that you've created for yourself? Key phrase, you've created. Pushing yourself to be the best you can be while accepting nothing else will eventually lead to burnout. However, allowing yourself to be kind to yourself when you can't be physically, emotionally, and mentally at 100% all the time still gives you the room to grow and achieve. I'm Dr. Justin Metcalf, and this is Speak Kindly, You're Listening. Don't forget to check out the book with the same name that inspired it all. Out today! Yes, today is the book release. Head over to Amazon to get your copy. With me today is Kelsey Boyer, who is a leadership coach and founder of the Women's Leadership Accelerator Program for Aspiring and New Female Leaders. She helps them overcome imposter syndrome, fear, and other challenges that they are facing professionally. On today's episode, Kelsey will share how to give yourself permission to speak kinder to yourself, which totally aligns with this podcast and the book. It was honestly the perfect person to have on today's episode for this reason. We're going to dive into the importance of being emotional in dark spaces so you can heal. And we're also going to be talking about how to relearn to listen to those gut feelings to help balance and assist you when you know something isn't working for you. Here we go. Kelsey, thank you so much for being here. I have been looking so forward to this because you and I work with very similar clients that high achieving women. So before we even dive into your inner gremlin voice, Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about what inspired you to coach high achieving women. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll give you the Coles notes version, but... Or somewhere between the long yeah. story and the cold notes, but <laughs> I like it. Really, where it started for me personally, long, long time ago, back in my preteen, teenage life, I was living with a parent who was struggling with drug addiction and had to step into a leadership role in my family, and there was no way out of it for me for a while. And then when I finally got out of it, this serendipitous opportunity landed on my lap to start coaching youth girls in underprivileged areas, basically in the area that I had grown up in, going through the same thing that I had gone through. And I thankfully had a support system that taught me to channel my experience into something that can be impactful and help others. And it was something I knew I needed, not only needed to do, but really wanted to do. And that's where I got started and it was coaching youth girls from grade six to 12 on leadership development, mindset appreciation. And it was originally through a running and sport type of program. And it was always something that I knew I wanted to do. But back then, I think like a lot of us millennials, our our parents told us to go to school, get the nine to five and that's it. So I didn't even see coaching in the realm of possibilities of what I was able to do. And so this is where The professional experience ties into why I started Women's Leadership Accelerator. And so in my professional experience, I spent the majority of my career in sales and recruitment in the tech recruitment industry and sector. And over my career, built it up into leadership roles. And before launching Women's Leadership Accelerator, I was working as a partner at an AI recruitment startup. And I was always the only woman at the table and always the only woman leader and and in a lot of my environments, and as much as I was building up women around me, I recognized at one point that my impact was limited if I stayed within my organization. 
And so that really, of course, after a big transition year ending of a long relationship and questioning everything, I decided to combine my personal and professional experiences together to create Women's Leadership Accelerator and working with these high-achieving women who want to be leaders and rise through the ranks. Oh, I love this because it always goes back to maybe that chrysalis point in time where we have jumping off point where, okay, how do we get into where we are today? But recognizing that that journey doesn't have to define us and then keep us down or Mm -hmm. minimize, but we can utilize it and share it with others and then continue to lift other women up as well. So part of Speak Kindly, you're listening, is all about how we choose to speak to ourselves. And I want to actually go back to you stepping into that leadership role for your family Mm -hmm. and the challenges that would have come along that journey, especially being likely a kid having to step into that leadership role as well. And what was your inner voice saying to you at that point in time? I think that at that point, I would assume that it was something along the lines of, that you have no other option. This is it. This is what you need to do. And if you don't do this, no one will. Or if you don't do this, you're going to end up on the same path. Yeah. Oh, I can totally relate to this on so many fronts. And so when you see that parent and it's either I'm going to become this or I'm going to step in, make changes, and then move forward, And then we get into this stage where we're past all of that. We're starting to grow up and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then that negative voice starts to come in. You worked so freaking hard. You got through it all and you like, you made it to the opposite side. And then there's that gremlin that I found for me that crept Mm -hmm. up. And did you notice that for you? Or did you notice that it was more so that powerful inner voice that just kept pushing you, kept pushing you and kept pushing you? I would definitely say for a while, it was that powerful inner voice that kept pushing and pushing, but to my detriment, I think at one point, and I I think there's a really important distinction there because there's the inner voice that eventually the self-doubt comes in or whatever form of fear. And I think for me, maybe there wasn't a lot of doubt and fear for a long time, but I was pushing from a place of survival instead of what I really needed. So even though I was out of the trauma, I was still pushing as though I was in it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me pushing through, even though you're past that trauma. Yeah. So I, it turned me into a high achiever and and also not only did it turn me into a high achiever, but it turned me into someone who always needed to be in air quotes, good, Mm. be the good girl get your degree, get your job, excel in your job, be the best at this, be the, I played hockey, be the best player on the team, go to the gym and lift the heaviest. And it was like everything I just needed to be the absolute best at. And so that's really how it manifested for me. And, and it just honestly forced me into burnout. When you noticed that it was burnout and you're in it and you're ready to make those changes, What did you find was the hardest shift that had to happen? The hardest shift, a couple things. But the first one that comes off the top of my mind, this is actually what led to my relationship transition and leaving my relationship because I recognized that I had lost myself in the relationship and it wasn't because of the other person. It was because 
I was just trying to do everything that made them happy and be good for them that I forgot who Kelsey was. Mm -hmm. And so I really lost what I even needed and what I even wanted out of life. And there were definitely other situations, but this is where I noticed it the most. And so I would say that was the the biggest challenge. Looking at that inner voice, whether it was in burnout or navigating that relational change, what was it saying to you during that time? It was saying, this isn't right. I don't know why. It was confused. It was very confused. This doesn't feel right. This isn't right. Your gut is telling you that there is something going on here, but I have no idea what that is. Yeah. For me, I found that I was having those moments, but I just kept shoving them down because I was just like, no, that high achiever. It was just like, no, no, it's just shove that down. Don't worry about it. Okay. Maybe that's a gut reaction, but no, no, it's, I have to keep like powering through. Yes. And that was challenging because like you said, like you have that powerful inner voice that is supporting you. It's getting you through survival out of trauma. And yet at the same time, it's belittling you and just using these hurtful words. So you have that voice inside of you saying though, that change needs to happen. And as you're getting ready to make those changes, make those big life changes, right? What was your gremlin saying to you? Yeah, I think something that also came up as you were describing that the whole, like, I need to power through, I need to keep pushing. That was another big thing for me too, is like, I grew up a very emotional kid and was very expressive with my emotions. And then after that traumatic experience, I completely lost that and part of my narrative of myself was that I'm strong. I'm not emotional. I barely ever cry. Like I'm hard. And I think that it was also got to the point where anytime I was expressing emotion, I was just blowing up. So I think also there was an inner, the inner gremlin was there being like, no, like you need to push through. You need to be hard. Don't cry like a little girl about this. And I remember how hard that was for me to, and it's so funny now because I cry every other day. I'm <laughs> definitely back. <laughs> me too. It's okay. Me too. <laughs> definitely back to the child self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My, my fiance, he's like, oh, every time he sees me crying, he's like, hold on. Are you like, is it a sad cry? Is it a happy cry? What, what are we working with today? <laughs> Because he's always learned and been conditioned that crying means bad. And I'm like, no, 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 it's not bad. (laughs) Um, So that was a really big, I think my inner gremlin and my ego really was just like, no, you can't, you can't be this way. This Mm -hmm. isn't you. You're not allowed. You need to be strong for everyone in your life. Ooh, that hits because it was in those moments where being strong for everyone else meant there was nothing left for me. Mm -hmm. Right. When you stepped in, made those changes, and then were stepping into that next stage phase, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, how challenging was that? Oh, so hard. And we're talking about not the traumatic situation, but after I ended the relationship, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah, it was so hard for so many reasons because I was questioning everything. I mean, this is really when I 
wasn't sure about the role I was in anymore. I had been coaching on the side for a long time because I had been certified, but I hadn't taken the leap. I didn't know how. And so not only had I just ended a three and a half year relationship, I was not fulfilled in my career and other friendships were ending for similar reasons because I was just taking a look at this big picture of my life and recognizing what was serving me and what wasn't. So it was a lot all at once. And because I was so overwhelmed with all of the change, uh, I ended up signing up and I had been on and off with therapy for many years, but nothing ever really stuck. And immediately signed up for a therapist and started seeing her weekly or bi-weekly, whatever it was. I'm still seeing her today. She's absolutely incredible. But my top three lowest lows in my life for sure. Mm -hmm. Would you say that, because I think that this is where a lot of people, when they're trying to move through something, it's really easy to look on social media and see Mm. all the quick fixes and see the stills, those moments in time where someone has gotten better or as it in yeah. a better part of their life, but they don't see the journey and the mess and the dirty and the grit and everything else that comes through it as well. Yeah. So when you were navigating through and knowing, especially being a coach as well, I feel like at times, I don't know about you, but I'm always going back and then coaching myself at times. And, and, oh, then, yeah. I'm, <laughs> and then you're just like, okay, you should have moved past this already. But when you're in the muck, moving through it, what was it that allowed you to keep pushing, knowing that this new change that's happening is for the better? Yeah, I mean, I think it was just having experienced really low lows in life before. Mm -hmm. And I learned at a very young age that pain doesn't last forever. And there is something really amazing and beautiful on the other side. And when I got myself out of the traumatic situation with the parent, I got involved with being able to coach youth girls. I got my university degree and there were so many happy moments after that. And and so I think I was just reminding myself of that and reminding myself that this isn't going to last forever. And and there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Mm -hmm. What would you tell people who are having those like really challenging days, those one-off days that happen that you feel like you're just in a black hole? What would you say to them to help them move through it? I think the first thing that I would say is that there is a lot of negativity from society around and or even not even negativity from society, but we as a society labels that black hole as negative. And which makes us also feel guilty and feel shame towards even being in that place. But all emotions are a part of the human experience. And the more we try to push through and push it away and move through it, the longer it's going to last because we're not sitting with that. And that is the biggest lesson I learned is to actually sit with that pain, be with that pain, experience it. It is so valuable. And I've I've struggled with depression and anxiety on and off throughout a large chunk of my life. And since I discovered breathwork, things really improved for me so much that I became a facilitator. That's a side note, but that was always what got me through. It's like, okay, this sucks and I don't want to get out of bed today. And that's okay. I'm going to choose to honor that instead of the the high achiever past Kelsey, like, no, be strong, get out of bed, no matter what you're feeling. So that's what I would suggest. Be with that. Where do you think the pressure came from, 
even within society about shoving down those emotions? Where does that come from or what's your perspective on where that comes from? Yeah, it's a really good question because I I think it's always been there. I when we learned to process emotions, I think very very long time ago we learned to label emotions as positive and negative and it was our way of coping with them. And I think that's really it. And I can't even trace it back because I, it just feels to me that it's just always been that way. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah. So I love this question because I think we've set up or society and culture has set up ways to be certain to have control. And so if we can yep. label things as one thing or another, then it's like, okay, well, if I'm feeling something positive and then it's like, great, okay, I'm supposed to be happy. And then if I'm feeling something negative and then it's like, okay, then don't do this anymore. So we yep. categorize everything. So then we can avoid certain situations, put ourselves into better situations. But in doing that, it's like, we forget how to experience emotions and that processing them and embracing them. Mm. It's what allows us to also be human. Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we've been conditioned for as long as possible to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. What would you say the difference between your inner gremlin that you hear now if you still hear your inner gremlin, because I don't know about you, every once in a while, mine still pops up (laughs) from time to time. So what would you say the difference between the inner gremlin that you hear now versus what you heard before? The, the, the inner gremlin now is much quieter. That's for sure. (laughs) 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 And she absolutely still creeps in, but I've conditioned my fiance well and When she creeps in, I verbalize it. I don't let her stay there. Whenever she creeps in, I'm like, hey, here's my ego. She's saying this. Can we talk it out or write it down? But either way, I think that's been the biggest thing for me when she does pop up. I'm like, okay, hey, here you are. What's up? It's all good that you're here. I'm human. You're human. But I'm going to get this out there. Yeah. (laughs) I can just visualize this conversation that's happening because I have them too. And it's, it's amazing when it comes up that now, especially having done the work and understanding yes. and seeing it for what it is, it's there and you're just like, okay, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're here today. Okay. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that description. Thank you for that. <laughs> how, how do you go about giving yourself permission to speak kinder to yourself? Because something that you said is that that inner gremlin isn't so loud. And I hear that because mine's only a whisper before it used to like shout at me. Like, Oh yeah. Right. So now how do you give yourself permission on the opposite side to speak kinder words to yourself? This was definitely a tactic I learned in therapy, but what I typically do is just say like, what would six-year-old Kelsey think about this? Or even what would 15-year-old Kelsey think about this? 15-year-old Kelsey would have just yelled a bunch of profanities and, <laughs> and, and given that, given her the middle finger, but yeah. I like to channel her sometimes because she knows. I was just going to say you should definitely be channeling her. Okay. Sorry. I cut you off there. I got no, really excited. Exactly it. Uh, exactly it. 
she gets she gets channeled when the ego comes in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So speaking to your six-year-old self or your 15-year-old self at times, and does that put things into perspective for you? Do you notice? Yeah. And I think it's also just because of the work I do for a living, I know that we are all our own toughest critics and I see it in my clients every single day and I see it everywhere, my friends and my family. So I think it's also just I just remind myself that this is okay. I'm human. I deserve to be speaking kinder to myself, but this is what's come out and I'm going to deal with that and I'm going to live with that. And I think it's like not, again, using guilt or shame to be like, I can't believe I said that to myself. I deserve better. No, it's fine. (laughs) We're human. We all have the inner gremlin and we say not nice things to ourselves, but we also deserve to be kind when not only when we're shifting and reframing what's said, but looking back at what we've said in the first place and that version of ourselves. Do you ever find for yourself that you can get trapped in the, I thought I worked through that specific statement. Why is it coming up again? I used to, but the biggest thing I've learned in therapy and all the work I've done is that you (laughs) think, I joke about it now, but you think you're through trauma and then it's like an onion. Another layer is just underneath and it's just this constant process. My clients experience the same thing too. They're like, we've worked through this already. Why is this coming up again? (laughs) It's like, okay. And so the same thing I say to my clients, I say to myself, okay, what is this here for? What is it trying to teach me? Yes, it's come up many times, but it's taught me something different every single time. So that's always the big question. What is this here for? Different each time. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I love this so much. I could talk about this for ages and ages and ages. Right. Me too. What would you tell someone? And that's where we'll leave it because I feel like they're, especially that black hole aspect of it. What would you want when someone, let's label it as hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And someone's sitting in that black hole, feeling that hopelessness, feeling hopeless, and they see that just spark that where they want to speak kinder words to themselves. How do they give themselves permission to do that? What would you say to that person? It's a really good question. So if you're saying someone's in the black hole, feeling hopeless, Mm -hmm. and they see a spark of hope or... They do. They see it where okay. it's just like, it's there, but it's scary to go, go into that. It's almost as if it's mm-hmm. scary to leave that black hole, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now I understand the question. Yes. Honestly, what is the cost of staying in the same place? Ask yourself that question. What is the cost of not staying in the same place? And what is the cost of staying? That's powerful because when we give ourselves that opportunity to know that if I stay here, this is what it's still going to be like Yeah. versus the change. Oh, Kelsey, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Do you have anything that's up and coming that you would like to share with the audience and where they can go about finding that for you? Yes, absolutely. So I'd, I'd recommend um, adding me on LinkedIn, Kelsey Boyer, B-O-Y-E-R, she slash her. I assume you'll include the link in the, the notes, but my website's still under construction for a couple weeks. It'll probably be launched by the time this airs. So that works out well. And 
<laughs> and otherwise, my next round of Women's Leadership Accelerator is opening up in January. I'm going to start enrolling people in December and I always host monthly breathwork events. So if you're looking for a grounding stress release, that is also, you can all find all of this and I'll be posting all about it on my LinkedIn. So thank you for asking. Awesome. Thank you again. And so looking forward to everything that you put out there. Thank you so much. Let me just round this out by saying the more we share in our vulnerabilities, the more that we and others can heal together. And Kelsey did just that for us. That inner child needs to be nurtured and taken care of. And maybe early on, we didn't have the resources to support ourselves. But as an adult, we finally get to ask ourselves what we need and want, and then choose to take care of our inner child and our adult self too. Key takeaways from today. One, give yourself permission to be kinder to yourself. I will say this a million times over because I truly believe we don't realize how important this is. If you choose to speak hurtful and destructive words to yourself, then that is what you will believe and that will determine who you become. Two, dark spaces don't have to be scary. I talk about this in my book and how there is a duality of darkness. Because the place of darkness that we have feared for so long can also be a place where we sleep, rest, and dream among the moon and the stars. It is a place where we get to hope. Every episode will have a reflection question and this is yours for today. If you were looking to your younger self and you look them straight in the eyes, what words would you want to hear? When you have found your answer, send me a DM on Instagram or an email to info at drjessicametcalf.com. That's info at drjessicametcalfe.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. And when you hear your inner gremlin, ask yourself, would I say this to a loved one? And if your answer is no, then it's time for a reframe. Speak kindly. You're listening. <laughs>